You're listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Running Thursday, July 5th through Sunday, July 8th at picturesque Birds Hill Park, Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Terry Stevens, host of Venus Envy, and this episode highlights Galen Lee. Galen Lee was given the opportunity of a lifetime when she won NPR Music's 2016 Tiny Desk Concert, and she certainly made the most of it. She and her husband Paul quit their jobs, sold their house, bought a van, and hit the road. Since they left a little over a year ago, Galen has played over 200 shows in 39 states and 6 countries. She has performed in the widest variety of venues imaginable. Coffee shops, bars, schools, music festivals, and performing arts centers. She's been featured performer at Music City Roots, the Kennedy Center, and even on BBC World News. This tale of adventure wouldn't be particularly remarkable if the music failed to deliver. Playing traditional fiddle music and original songs using her violin and a looping pedal, Galen Lee performs from her electric wheelchair. She began playing violin 20 years ago after a creative music teacher helped her adapt a playing style that suits her frame. She holds her instrument like a tiny cello and loops her classically trained rhythms and melodies to create a symphonic cacophony that is both glorious in its reach and profoundly introspective. Galen Lee will be performing at the Winnipeg Folk Festival at Spruce Hollow several times on Saturday, July 7th. A concert from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. and as part of the workshop, sisters are doing it for themselves from 11.30 a.m. till 12.45. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times, to purchase tickets and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit www.winnipegfolkfestival.ca. Welcome, Galen. Thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks for being here. You're playing the Winnipeg Folk Festival this July, and you've played a lot of different types of venues in your career. Are folk festivals something that you've played a lot? 
I have done um, like two, I think, but nothing as big as Winnipeg. So it's going to be really fun to play there. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Have you played Winnipeg before? No, I haven't. This will also be my first show in Winnipeg. So that's cool. Great. So it sounds like you're a bit of a globetrotter. Um, You've played over 200 shows in 39 states and six countries in the last year or so. And it sounds like you're going off on tour again in a couple days. What's life like on the road? Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's fun. It's a little bit um, like disorienting sometimes because you wake up and you're like, where are we? What's going on? Um, but it's very fun. The, my favorite part is just the seeing new places, especially when we haven't been there before. Um, like we're going to Iceland and Switzerland in June for shows. And I'm really excited because there's no reason I would be there otherwise, obviously. So it's neat to have a reason to see places like that. And then meet all the people that organize the events. They are generally really cool people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. People who are dedicated to planning music things. So it's been fun to meet people for that reason, too. Great. Would you say you're more on the road than you are at home? Right now, yes, actually. I think we did the math, and in 2017, we were home three months and gone nine months. Wow. So it's a pretty heavy schedule. I think I'm going to be doing my own booking pretty shortly here. Well, I mean, I'm kind of transitioning now, and part of my goal is to maybe make that a little bit more even, but I, I think we'll still be gone more than we're home. Yeah the life of a musician right yeah yeah but luckily I'm with my husband when we go so um you know it's not as lonely as it would be I think if he wasn't there right that's very nice so I watched your performance uh as a winner of NPR's Tiny Desk concert in 2016 which I definitely recommend people check out uh, it sounds like that was a bit of a life-changing moment for you. Can you tell me a bit about that and how it's changed things for you? Yeah. Well, so I entered this Tiny Desk contest back in January of 2016, and I only entered because a bunch of my fiddle students were like, well, this is a idea. You should try it. So um, I had a friend help me tape the video and submitted it, but just never thought that I would win. And I mean, not even at all, you know. And then when they called to let me know that I did win, it just was kind of a surreal moment because I didn't know how our lives would change, but I knew that it was for sure going to change. And we started getting a lot of offers to play farther away from home. And um, because of my disability, I knew that if I was going to tour, I would need help to do it. And I really wanted that to be my husband, Mm -hmm. obviously, because... you know, you're closest to that person. And so I, we talked a lot about it and we decided we would try it. So we, um, but we had to do it full time because he couldn't just take his two weeks vacation and that would be it, you know? Right. So we, he got a leave of absence from his job and then, um, we were able to sell the house and get a van and I rehoused all my fiddle students with different teachers. And we just kind of like hit the road in October 2016. And so our lives are extremely different. Yeah. Um, we have an apartment now when we are home in Duluth in Minnesota. Okay. Um, but other than that, I mean, we're really based 
out of the van kind of. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fun. And then we've done international traveling, which really wasn't on my radar, but it, but it's been something that has been presented to us, and it's really cool to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, those those trips are a little harder because with the wheelchair, transportation is a little trickier to figure out. But, um, but again, it's really cool to see places in the world that I wasn't expecting to get to see. So it's been a good, good kind of challenge, you know. Yeah. Um. So let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get into music and into playing? It's the fiddle, right? Well, yeah. I mean, violin and fiddle are kind of interchangeable. Right. And I actually started classically. Um, so in fourth grade, an orchestra came to my school, and I really loved the way it sounded. And so in fifth grade, we had a chance to join orchestra. And I was really lucky that the teacher in that orchestra was very open-minded. And so I I'm very small. I have a disability where my limbs are bent and I use an electric wheelchair and, my, and so they're just really short. My limbs are shorter and so she was willing to help me figure out a way to play um, that didn't look like the normal way. So I play my violin up and down like a cello and I hold my bow like a bass player does and so cool. I kind of have um, a different style completely than most violin players. But it worked because she was able to kind of translate the violin to this different position. Um, and I've been playing like that for 24 years. So, wow. um, then I started doing like Celtic fiddle music a lot in college and then really got into folk music in, um, like right after school, um, started joining some bands and, um, and a lot of those were folk-oriented, and then started writing my own material in 2012, um, and then uh, touring in 2016. Great. Wow. So your musical style blends both old styles of music, Irish folk tunes, but you also use all this new technology, like looping pedals. So what appeals to you about that, like mixing those two kind of different sounds? Well, I... I think that um, it's just a really creative medium, looping is, you know. Um, and when I first started looping, um, I hadn't really written that many songs. I mean, I don't know if I'd even written any yet. So I really wanted to practice on it, but I didn't know what to play. And I realized that I had all these Celtic um, and traditional American fiddle tunes memorized. And I was like, well, I could like build up structures underneath it and then play the tunes over it and that was the way I kind of got into looping but then you realize well you could actually be more creative and kind of change the rhythms and you know mash songs together and like it just really opens up the door of what you can do so um, I really got into my very first album All the Roads That Lead Us Home is almost entirely traditional fiddle tunes Mm -hmm. Um, but they're they're played in a way that you recognize them, but they're not really played that way usually. You know what I mean? So right, if you're yeah. a very purist, you would be like, what's going on? But if you are open to the idea of making something that has been around forever new again and introducing it in a new way that's recognizable, um, then I think you'd enjoy the first album. Um, and then I started writing songs, and the pedal became a way to perform solo um you know, because 
uh, violin, obviously, you're not a very full sound by yourself, but the looping pedal mm -hmm. um, can create the chord bed that I need to sing on top of. So, um, And then now I'm working with a full band, so it's kind of changed over the years, and I don't loop as much as a full band, although okay. I still do loop. Um, but we have more freedom to do different chord structures and stuff, which is pretty cool. Awesome. And when you play live, do you, like, set it all up live, or do you have stuff that's pre-recorded? No, it's not. And that's what I... I think one thing that I like about it, and I don't think the audience necessarily knows, is that it's always a challenge in being present because I don't record anything ahead of time. So it really could be awesome or terrible <laughs> in the moment, you know? And so it forces you to really focus on what you're playing and um, make it as good as you can. And I think that that makes it not get boring. So, I mean, you're playing the same song a lot of the time, but right. then they're always just variant uh, with the pedal, you know, and making sure you get it right. And you can mess around with the pedal and kind of change it up um, and still play the same song, you know, but um, so it's really fun. I don't know. I like I like that a lot. And then with the full band, it's a different dynamic, obviously. So even though I'm not looping, it's exciting because there's other people on stage with you. Right. And you've got the energy, energy of other people with you. Yeah. Are you bringing a full band to the Folk Fest? I'm bringing my guitar player, Dave. So um, I one thing I realized is we're kind of starting out as the band now. You know, like mm -hmm. the album comes out in September, and then um, and then the music will be very band-oriented, right? But, mm -hmm. but I don't want to lose the ability to do things in a flexible way. So for this festival, um, they asked me to bring Dave, um, who is the probably like in the band, I would say, kind of the backbone right now. Mm -hmm. He has been with me overseas twice, and he's gone to um, New York, and he's just, he's really dedicated. So it's cool that I get to bring him with for this one. Um, and then sometimes I play solo still, because I can't, you know, I don't want him to have to leave his wife and his job all the time. So right, yeah. sometimes I do solo tours, and then when I'm, when I get to, like, if it works out to bring the whole band, then I do, but it's not something that I... That's more of a regional thing, generally. Gotcha. Um, so far, we've done, like, Chicago and um, Wisconsin and, you know, Minneapolis um, as a full band. But awesome. You never know. Flexibility is always good. Yeah, I think it is. It makes it a lot less stressful for me because that was one hesitation I had when I wanted to record. It's like, well, what if I have a band? Then I don't know if I can afford to bring a band everywhere. You know what I mean? Right, and yeah. And I don't know if my band will be available to go everywhere. So I had some really good advice from Alan Sparhack. He's my bandmate in a project called The Murder of Pearl. Mm -hmm. And we have our own instrumental project, basically. And um, he said, don't worry about it. As long as you can perform shows, um, just do the format that works for that show and, and just enjoy that. And then the audience will think that's interesting, too, because the shows will be different. You know what I mean? So they may have seen me last time solo and then seen me with a full band next time. And that's kind of a cool transition as long as you're open to it. So, yeah, um, yeah. so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I, you know, when the new album comes out, um, it's really hard to say what's going to happen um, with that. So um, that's why I want to just keep an open, open mind about how shows have to look, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, did they brief you on what, like, the workshops are like at Folk Fest? I think we're finding out this week. 
So okay. um, I have never been. And so that was something that I was like a little surprised but excited because I do a lot of public speaking and I play at a lot of schools and stuff. So I'm excited to be able to do something kind of similar. What, what kind of workshops have you seen? Well, you know, I think the the coolest thing about the workshops at the Winnipeg Folk Festival is that they put a bunch of musicians together and there's a lot, like everyone sort of gets a chance to highlight different songs, but people, other people will join in and it becomes like this really like once in a lifetime kind of experience for probably the artists as well as the audience Um, because people are improvising on each other's songs like it's really cool. That is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad that we get to be there the whole weekend. And our show is on Saturday. But um, but I think I have workshops on, you know, on Friday and Sunday. So it's going to be neat to be really, like, get the full experience. Sometimes at festivals you end up only being there for, like, four hours around your set. You know what I mean? And then you yeah. So this is going to be nice to be there for the whole yeah. weekend. Yeah. I'm a little biased, but like I've, I think I've been to the Folk Fest myself for at least 15 or 16 years. So it's, uh, it's oh, wow. definitely a great summer destination. Yeah, a couple of people have already told me that it's their favorite festival. Yeah. And so that's going to be fun. Awesome. Um, we got to play a pretty cool one in Wales called Green Man Fest. And again, that's kind of like the favorite of the community out there. And yeah. But usually that means that it's a really welcoming and open vibe. You know what I mean? And yep. it kind of sounds like that with Winnipeg. Yeah, I, again, biased, but I think we all also have great uh, audiences here who are just really open to to whatever is put in front of us. So I think I think you're going to fit in really well, and I'm really excited to yep. uh, to come see you myself. Um, so you mentioned uh, speaking engagements. What kind of advocacy do you do, and why is that important to you? Um, well, I mean, in general, I think people with disabilities, um, unfortunately, just don't have equal access in our society yet. Um, I think that's true in the U.S., but also all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. And so I do a couple different things when I speak. I talk about the barriers that still exist um, for people with disabilities and then the concept of disability pride which is taking the negative, like, view of, of, like, that lens that we see disability through so often mm-hmm. as, like, a negative or a tragedy or, like, oh, like, we need to eradicate this and instead just embrace it as a different kind of diversity, right? And then support it rather than try to eradicate it. That's um, And then the last thing I've been talking about a lot lately because of touring and just kind of realizing that I'm definitely not the only artist out there with disabilities and and that it is a lot, lot harder to tour um, at, right now with a disability because of accessibility issues. Yeah. Just not having equal access. Um, I um, started talking a lot about art and access and just how to encourage people with disabilities to get involved in the arts, but then also how to make it like a reality for them if they are in it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, we welcome everyone to start in our choir or whatever. But then if everywhere they go after that school choir is really difficult to access, right. um, then it, they're not going to become professional musicians. And I think there are plenty of us out there, but there would be more visibility, I think, if it was easier to access the venues, for example. 
or the festivals or if there's more diversity in like lineups and all these things, you know. Um, um, so yeah, the more that we talk about it, I think the more artists will see. And then the best part about that is the art that we make and the, you know, just by being in our culture, mm-hmm. it'll raise awareness and kind of move the movement forward faster. Hopefully. That's great. Cause it's, it's about like sort of everyday practicality, but also about human rights, right? Like, yeah, it's a combination. And I think that's what makes people not realize that it is a human rights issue is because it's such a, some of the stuff we're talking about is so basic, like having a, a ramp instead of a step, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if you don't have that ramp and all you have is a step, you're essentially telling someone with a, you know, mobility aid or whatever, like, you're not welcome here. Um, we don't see that as a sign that the people with disabilities are not welcome here, but like that is the subtle message that you're mm-hmm. sending. And so I think we need to really make this mental connection in our um, cultures that like inaccessibility is the same thing as um, saying you're not welcome here. It's like segregation, basically. But yeah. we just haven't been taught that that's what it is. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but experiencing it as a person with a disability, I can tell you that's definitely what it feels like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I want that message to be a much more mainstream than it is now. I think some people understand if they deal with disabilities or they work with people with disabilities, that the general population is really um, not alerted to it yet, you know? And yeah. so that's why I do speaking. And I love to work with kids that way, too, because you can get them when they're younger. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that's cool, too. But I, but I do a lot of adult um, speaking engagements. And even at any age, you can really... You can have your eyes opened up and make changes. So yeah, yeah, and we can all do better, right? Yeah, um, and like so, like the last message I had at a speaking gauge is somebody was saying, like, "What is your takeaway? Like, what do you want us to take away?" And I said, "You know, I think accessible shows should just be the new standard, even if someone with a disability doesn't come, because then you're just ready. You know, mm-hmm. you're just prepared. And, and you're welcoming, um, right?" And that's, yeah, exactly, and and you're you're not gonna have to worry about it and scramble around and try to fix it. If somebody does show up, you're just ready to deal with it. And so that would be the new standard, and that doesn't have to be just something that I think about for my shows. It could be every band, you know, or every venue or every festival um, to just be accessible, but you wouldn't be running into barriers all the time. Yeah. Well, that's a great message to end on. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great talking to you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I I do want to finish off with one of the tracks you sent to us. And we've chosen Dark to Light and Dark Again, which is off of your album, All Changing Tides. Can you tell me a bit about that song? Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. That song is um, actually going to be on the new album, All Changing Tides. It's just a two-song little vinyl Okay, as a, as a, pre- a preview for the full-length album. So the full-length album is called Learning How to Stay, and it'll be out on September 7th, and this is going to be, um, I think it's like the second or third track on the album. Awesome. Um, and this song to me is just about um, how regardless of where we are on our path for life, uh, we need each other to get by, and we all have value. But it's a fun, kind of like a country song. <laughs> <laughs> My first ever country song. Great. Thanks so much, Galen. Thanks.
Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Muscles, nerves, and skin and bones. They carry us on our journey home. Day by day, they sustain us in the end. They betray us, but our bodies, they never fully to a special podcast spotlighting Galen Lee, who will be performing at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com, and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event, running July 5th through 8th at Birds Hill Park. <laughs>